is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Timothy Allen McDonald, and we cover everything from MTI to iTheatrics, Between the Lines, and The Book Thief, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Timothy Allen McDonald. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Timothy Allen McDonald. Tim, thanks for joining me today. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for having me on. There's, there's a lot I want to talk about. I would, you know, the book thief where you're over in, uh, over in England working on it. Uh, Between the lines, which I saw a couple weeks ago, fantastic work, and so much more. Bef- before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your mm. entertainment dreams growing up? Um, I grew up in a very rural part of Northern California, and so I, I honestly, my big awakening came when the local high school, which had a phenomenal musical theater program, put on a production of The King and I. And uh, we got bussed in as younger kids to see it. And when I saw those kids on the stage playing all of the children of The King, I thought, this is the world I want to be in. And from that moment on, I was probably 10 or 11. And from that moment on, I was just obsessed with musical theater like so many of us are. Mm. What What did your parents teach you about work ethic? Well, it's interesting. My parents um, are were, were older when they had me, so I was the second family. So they were in their late thirties, and um, you know, I come from blue collar lumber mill um, kind of uh, of a upbringing. So it was very much physical hard work, and that if you worked hard at anything, you could accomplish anything. Mm. So that's always been my work ethic. Is that you know, I, I just really do believe that if you work super, super hard and, you know, try to keep getting better, then there's pretty much nothing you can't accomplish. Do you have any mentors or um, standout pieces of advice from any particular mentors? Oh, wow. I have, I, I've had a couple of really phenomenal mentors over the years. Um, you know, I, the primarily it's Freddie Gershon who owns or owned Music Theater International, which is one of the, the world's largest uh, licensing uh, agencies for musical theater. And Freddie took me under his wing um, many years ago. He had this idea called Musicals Made Easy, which eventually became the Broadway Junior Collection of Musicals. Mm-hmm. And I was hired by Freddie. I was recruited by him to take that from an idea, from a concept into reality. Um, and throughout that time, I just I learned so much about Freddie because he was a phenomenal entertainment lawyer, um, you know, so like one piece of like, I'm trying to think of one big like nugget that I can give you from Freddie and nothing is coming to my mind because <laughs> there's just so many like, um, but I also, because of Broadway Jr. Um, had the honor of working with nearly every living musical theater writer from, um, Steve Sondheim, um, Arthur Lawrence, um, all the way to Janine Tesori and everyone in between, Aaron's and Flaherty. So I also picked up a, a lot of advice when it comes to uh, musical theater, the structure of musical theater and how it's crafted um, from doing that work of taking these great musical theater writers' work, tearing it apart, reducing it to 70 minutes, um, and making sure the story was intact and it was still satisfying. How did you meet Freddie? Where did you guys meet? <laughs> Oddly enough, um, I made a cold call on Music Theater International because I was producing in California, Northern California. I I ran a small regional theater 
And, um, and I just thought my future was at MTI. I don't know why. And I you know, went into MTI. I got a temp job. I was a file clerk and a phone receptionist. I was a good phone receptionist because I saved Steve Sondheim from our phone service. He was lost in the mail, you know, in our phone mail. And he kept calling back. And I was like, Mr. Sondheim, let me help you. Um, so I was good at that. But I was a terrible file clerk because I would read what I was filing, which is how I knew that musicals made easy was a thing. Um, you're not supposed to read everything. It takes a little longer. Um, but I was fascinated by the business. So that's how we met. I asked that question because that one cold call seemed to open up the Junior Theater Festival, iTheatrics, basically what you're doing overseas right now and between the lines. I think it's so there's one moment that can open up a whole avenue. It fascinates me. Yeah. Are there any common themes among the top performers you worked with or interacted with through MTI among these writers? Yeah. And, and the writers who are passionate and smart and kind always float to the top and the ones who are not nice but also passionate and smart um they can do well but they it, it's just not the same journey um and they tend to be troubled souls so for me it was always about kindness and collaboration and it's listening more than you speak how have you gotten better at listening I'm sorry, did you say something? That was a bad joke. <laughs> no, that was good. That was a good one. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, you know, it's just about looping in your head, listen, 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 you know, um, because you never know. Musical theater is is the Olympics of collaboration is how I like to describe it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you have, a, you, you know, you have your songwriters, um, Recently, I've been co-librettaing uh, with um, the New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico, which I love. So there are two of us who are tackling the book of a musical. Uh, plus, then you have your director, your choreographer, sets, costumes, all of it. So really, really listening. You never know where the right idea is going to come from. And sometimes it may be stated in a way that isn't exactly what you need. But if you just twist it and meld it a little bit more, you get the thing you're really looking for, that big solution of, of like, oh, that's what this scene needs. And now it's right. Are you, there not to get too deep into the write, writing of a book? Is there are there um, aspects of stories that you find consistently miss or there are parts of a, a character development that you see people not necessarily diving deep on or problems, common, common problems you see among books that you read or musicals you see. Not to knock anything, just more an educational purpose. You know, it's the challenge of, of writing a book to a musical is that your, your book is in service of the music. And when those things get out of scale, mm. then I think that's when musicals fail. If, uh, so ideally, the book of the musical is supporting every lyric of, and sometimes it's just rando poetry, to be quite honest. It's a beautiful turn of phrase. Mm. But if you're a good book writer, you're trying to figure out a way to motivate that either through dialogue or a situation. So it's, it's some sort of insight um, that the character has. And when a song doesn't land, honestly, it's usually the book writer's fault, unless it's just a terrible song. But most of the time, if a song isn't landing, it's because 
for some reason you just haven't set it up in a way that's that that is giving it what it needs giving the audience the information they need to understand the psyche the inside um what's going on with the character's mind mm. that's what i found yeah no that's 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 very interesting is there when you're writing time of day day of week location in the city of your home do you have any sort of ritual to it or is it when you can where you can you know, you can't, you really can't have that if you're going to be a successful book writer. Um, it works when you're doing uh, your early drafts. You know, you can set up a schedule, and, and I do that. I, I write regularly. But once you get into the phase where we are right now with The Book Thief, mm. we, you know, uh, last night um, we saw a run through of the show, and there were things that had to be fixed, and they have to get in to the stage management that night. So at like 1 a.m., I'm rewriting things um, so they could be printed and rehearsed today. So you, if, you're a, if you're a writer that really needs, oh, I have to, I can only write in the morning or really write in the evening, you, maybe musical theater writing isn't your, or playwriting isn't your, you know, your gig. Maybe you should look at being a novelist or something else. Mm, mm. You just have to be ready to go at a moment's notice and you have to work. You have to be able to think and work quickly. Yeah. 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 Do you, do you meditate or journal in beyond the, the writing of, of musicals or is it, that's kind of it? I used to, but I don't, I don't, that would be like, that would be like work. <laughs> <laughs> just extra. Oh boy. Yeah, my spare time, let me write something. That'd be awesome. From from MTI going to iTheatrics, branching off, if you will, what was the what was the thought process or journey for you to take that step in that direction? It once again Freddie Gershon. Um Freddie pulled me into his office um and said, I have either good news or bad news for you. Um I want you to leave MTI. And I was gutted and devastated because I really thought that I would be at MTI, you know, my my entire career because uh, Freddie had carved out a world where I could write. I, I wrote um, Roldal's Willy Wonka while I was an employee um, at MTI and also run this uh, Broadway Junior, um, which is something I'm so, so passionate about. Um, so, but what he set out for me is that he knew that unless I went out on my own and started something that became iTheatrics, that the other licensing agencies at that time, um, Samuel French and Tams Whitmark and Rogers and Hammerstein, wouldn't embrace this concept of Broadway Junior. And Freddie thought it was very important that young people have access not just to the musicals represented by MTI, but how can you develop a love for musical theater if you don't know Rodgers and Hammerstein, if you don't know The Wizard of Oz, you know? Um, so it, that was his gift. And um, he did it in a way that I think very few people would because he didn't want any ownership in what I created. Um, and he funded it in a way of, we'll give you this much work, we'll pay you this much in advance. And then after that, you know, after that first year, you're on your own, make it or break it. And fortunately we made it. Um, he also gave me full ownership to uh, the Junior Theater Festival, which I had created under the while well, I was an employee at MTI. So legally, it was theirs. Mm. Uh, and those were just two incredible gifts that you know I just ran with. Mm. Um, and fortunately, you know, we were successful. We started at the beginning of the Great Recession. I started a new company, and and then just when we were felt like we had really just sort of been 
you know, hitting and firing on, on all levels, the pandemic hit and, you know, but we survived that as well. So, yeah. uh, it's, I have a remarkable team at iTheatrics and at junior theater festival who are as passionate about, um, young people and kids and access to theater as I am. What, what makes you so passionate about theater education, you know, for young <laughs> next generations? Sorry, you broke off a little bit, but I think the question is what makes me passionate about young people and next generations? Yeah, theater education, yeah. You know, it's because of where I grew up. Um, there's no way I would ever see a Broadway show. You know, less than 1% of Americans will ever see a Broadway show on Broadway. It's a, it's a mm. tiny number. It's like 0.03 or 0.04% mm. in a Broadway house. It's one of the most elite forms of entertainment on the planet. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have a passion for it because I had a passion for it and I was in, you know, this tiny little town in Northern California, but I had a teacher who was passionate about it, my seventh grade choir teacher. And so I just, I really did feel like musical theater would explode and find new popularity if we could reach young people before high school. And, um, that's, you know, that's what we did. And, and. I think you can trace the success of Disney's High School Musical, which was a big breakthrough, and now the musical, the series, mm -hmm. um, back to the fact that you know we have created this love of musical theater in in young people, and now we're on our probably third generation, maybe fourth, of people who just grew up with musical theater being the equivalent of football or basketball, where it's available to you in most schools at a young age, so that you understand the rules and and that gives you insight. You know, I, I don't really enjoy sports, shocking, um, but I played football and basketball and baseball. And so when I do see a game or attend one, I can tell when someone is phenomenal at that because I was terrible at it. And it's the same with musical theater. You know, if you if you were in your, you know, in the chorus or you work backstage or you had a lead in your middle school show, and then you go see Audra McDonald in something, you're like, well, that's, that's talent. That is like, woof, that is, you know, Olympic phenomenal world-class talent. So I, I do think it, what it does primarily is it ensures that there's future generations who will buy tickets to see musicals. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.